my foot got trapped in it, and then I did like a backflip off of it and broke my foot. I think we were feeding our birds one time, and they never knew what the cave was haunted. But I found it and tried to give it to her, but she said no. Welcome to the Appleseed Studio. I'm Sam Payne, your host. And the Appleseed is an hour filled with stories, tall tales, fairy tales, folk stories, personal and family stories, and more. And we share each one of them with the idea that the stories might give you something to talk about with the people that you love. Each story shared on the Appleseed can spark the words you need to talk about the things that are important to you with the people who are important to you. On the Appleseed, we believe that great stories can change your family's world. And we've got a terrific show for you today. The Grammy-winning storyteller Bill Harley is going to share with us a story about Barney Humpfnagel and how he deals with a magical piece of candy. She said, here, would you like a piece of candy? And Barney says, no, please take it. Barney says, it's okay, please take it. Put it in your pocket for a surprise later. And before you say magic candy, yes, please, just know that this magical piece of candy comes with a lot of responsibility, the responsibility that Barney Humpfnagel never asked for. We'll also take you to the little town of Belfast, Maine, where a community arts center wanted to help its patrons connect after a time of pandemic and turned to storytelling to get the job done. I just wish... Everybody could sit around a fire and tell a story. That's today on The Appleseed. And before we get to that Bill Harley story, our featured story in this episode of the show, I want to play for you just a little moment from Bill's visit to our studio. We'd been swapping tales about what it's like to be a kid, and this little story came up about what it's like to be a parent. I've always said that Bill Harley knows better than most adults what it feels like to be a kid. Turns out he knows a thing or two about what it's like to be a parent, too. Here's just a little moment with Bill. Thank you. I got a story I want to tell you, but first I got a little story in response to Sam's, which is about being the dad. And the first time we, I let my older son know, and now he's in his 30s now, I did what I could. Uh, <laughs> first time we let him take the car out on a date. And I said, you got to be home by 10.30. He said, no problem. <laughs> 10.30 comes, goes. 11 comes and goes. 11.30 comes and goes. 12 comes and goes. This is before this. He doesn't have a cell phone. I'm beside myself. My wife, Debbie's beside my, herself. She's beside me, too. <laughs> <laughs> 12.45. He pulls in, I am livid. I get up, I'm steaming. She says, what are you gonna do? I said, I don't know, but I'm going down there now. And I came down the stairs and I stood at the door and he opened up the, daddy, the door and he said, dad, I'm sorry. And I said, I didn't know where you were. <laughs> I was so worried. And he said, dad, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I said, I he said, Dad, I will never do it again. I promise. I said, okay. I went back upstairs. I got in the bed. Deb said, how'd it go? I said, pretty good. <laughs> Bill Harley with a tiny little story about what it's like to be a parent. Parents feel stuff, and sometimes kids take it for granted that they don't. And sometimes if a kid gets to see for a moment how a parent feels, it helps. If you're a parent and you remember the love you felt for your child during a tricky parenting moment, maybe that's a story you can share at the right time. Now, not only do parents feel stuff that's sometimes tricky for their kids to see, but kids sometimes feel stuff that's tricky for their parents to see. And in this story, Barney, the kid, is experiencing a normal kid day, frustrated at how long the shopping trip is taking, the shopping trip his mom has dragged him along for. But then the day takes a magical turn, and when Barney's whole world seems to be caught up in the madness, Barney feels the weight of responsibility for the whole thing, and even as young as he is, feels like he might be the only one who can do anything about it. The story is called The Best Candy in the Whole World, and to tell it, Bill Harley is waiting in the Appleseed Performance Studio with our terrific studio audience. Let's join them, shall we? So Barney was in fourth grade. Barney Humpfnagel. Unfortunate name for a kid, but that's the, one, that's the name I gave him. And, uh... After school, his mom pick him up in that circle, you know. They come in the car, the car, and Barney gets in the car, shuts the door, says, oh, man, 
I can't wait to get home. It's been a long day. His mother pulls out the circle in the street. She's driving down the street. She says, okay, but first, oh, no, mom, please. I just have to stop. Oh, mom, no. At the supermarket, mom, we go there every day. I have to get some food. Mom, don't be silly. It'll just take a minute. (laughs) Mom, you have no idea what a minute is. She said, stop it. And they pull in the supermarket, parking lot, huge parking lot, huge supermarket. And his mother says, do you want to go with me? And Barney can never decide which was the best thing to do to hurry his mother. If he should go with her, you know, to push her up and down the aisles, or if he could stay in a car. He was old enough to stay in the car. I had to make the story safe, so don't worry, all right? And, but just to make her nervous. So he says, I think, she says, oh, come with me. He said, why did you ask? She said, stop it. So they get in there, they get up to the supermarket and those big doors open up and they walk in and Barney walks over to get a, a little hand basket and she says, oh no, honey, I need a card. No, mom, not the card. Don't get the card. Don't get the card. We'll be here forever. It'll just take a second. One, let's go. Stop it. And he hates how his mother shops. It's like she goes there every day, but it's like a, she's discovering a wonderland every day. She stops and she looks up at the shelves like she's never seen things before. She takes one thing off and she looks at it and she, she takes another thing off that's almost exactly like the first and she's like she's in the middle of a story, which she actually is. <laughs> like, pick me, pick me, take one, mom, stop it. And they're going up and down the aisles and they're making pretty good time when he hears his mother say, Janice, Janice. Oh, hi, Liz. Oh, no! It's his mother's friend, Janice. This will never end. They stand in the middle of the blah, blah, blah. Oh, oh. And finally, they get going. They're almost the end. She goes, oh, I got, I got to go back. I forgot lettuce. Oh, all the way back to level one. They finally get to the checkout line, and it's a mile long, and Barney says, oh, His mother said, what is it? Mom, I'm going to be the only boy in the history of the United States of America who starved to death in a supermarket. (laughs) She says, I've had it. If you're going to be like that, you just go stand outside the door and wait for me there. Barney says, fine. Goes outside. The doors open, close behind him. And he's standing, waiting for his mother. Something he's never done before. That's a joke. (laughs) And he hears the doors open. And he turns to see if it's his mother. And at first he thinks it is because the cart is filled with bag upon bag of groceries. But it's not. And he can't believe who's pushing the cart. It's this little old lady. She's just not even even five feet tall. And it's a warm day, but she's got this long, dark red overcoat reaching all the way down to her ankles, a little blue pillbox hat. And she's pushing this huge cart like this, just pushing it. And she gets to the end of the sidewalk and she stops to see if there's any cars coming. And there aren't, but now she's got a problem, see? Because there's 487 pounds of grocery (laughs) and she doesn't have the inertia to get it going. And Barney's heart goes out to her. And he walks over and says, can I help you? And she says, oh, well, everyone's so busy. He said, not me. (laughs) Let me help. So she says, I have the little blue car. And she points, is this car on the far end of the parking lot, a half mile away? Why she would ever park there? And he starts to push the car and she says, wait for me. And Barney slows down and she's got this pocketbook, half her size. She's dragging it along the ground. And they get to the car and she says, now let me see if I can find my key. And she means it. (laughs) She reaches in the pocketbook and she feels around and she takes out the key. It's not even on a key ring. It's not a button key. She <laughs> cleans off the lint. <laughs> and she sticks it in the door and she fumbles and she gets the door open. And then Barney takes all those groceries and he puts them in the back seat and shuts the door and says, there. And she says, thank you. He says, you're welcome. She says, now. And she reaches in her pocket. She says, would you like a nickel? And Barney says, no, please take the nickel for a little surprise later. Barney says, no, no, are you sure? No. She said, wait, I have something else. And she leans into the car and there 
on the driver's seat is this little brown wrinkled bag, just as wrinkled as she is. She reaches into the bag and she pulls out a piece of candy wrapped in red wrapping paper, twisted on each end. She says, here, would you like a piece of candy? And Barney says, no, please take it. Barney says, it's okay, please take it. Put it in your pocket for a surprise later. Barney says, okay. He takes the candy, puts it in his pocket. He doesn't think another thing about it. Walks back over to the supermarket and his mother is still in line. (laughs) But finally she gets out and they go home. The next morning, Barney is late getting ready for school. It's not quite clear whose fault it is. There's a lot of finger pointing. But Barney's in a hurry to get dressed on, so he just puts the same pair of pants on he wore the day before. And his mother drops him off at school, and the, the school, it's early. She had to get rid of him because she had to go to a job or something. I just thought of that. And, <laughs> and um, the kids are still outside, and there's a teacher out there to make this safe. And, uh, <laughs> and the kids are, she's ta- he's talking to his friends, and he's talking to two of his friends. He puts his pants in his pocket. He said, wait, what's that? He pulls out the piece of candy. He said, oh, Yeah. And one of his friends said, where'd you get that? He said, I held this lady yesterday and she gave it to me. He said, do you want it? He said, I don't care. He said, can I have it? He said, sure. He puts it in his friend's hand. As soon as it touches his friend's hand, he says, never seen a piece of candy like that before. He unwraps it. Never smelled a piece of candy like that before. Puts it in his mouth. Mm. Oh my gosh. Mm. 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 This is the best candy in the whole world. Barney says, really? His other friends, has Barney got any more? He said, no, you know, she just gave. There was another piece of candy. Just like the first. She must have given me two. His friend said, can I have it? He said, yeah. He drops it in his friend's hand. His friend says, never seen a piece of candy like that before. Unwraps it. Never smelled a piece of candy like that before. Puts it in his mouth. Mm. Mm. Oh my gosh. Mm. This is the best candy in the whole world. Barney says, really? Just then, the bell rings. The doors of the school are flung open. The teacher says, everybody go to your class. And the kids say, yay, it's time to learn. And... Well, it could happen. (laughs) And they run down the hallway to their class. Now, Barney, his teacher, Ms. Simmons, there's two things you need to know about Ms. Simmons is the first thing, she's a neat freak. Everything has a place and everything in its place and we can't learn if we are not neat. And the second thing is she's mostly interested in reading. Read, 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 read until you think you're just gonna throw up. But anyway, Barney sits down at his desk and he has morning work. They start to make you work even before school has started. And Barney's working and he makes a mistake. On, I guess it's a math problem. It's exactly what it is, it's a math problem. And he, and he looks in his desk for an eraser and he can't find one, says maybe I got one of my It's another piece of candy. He puts it in his desk, puts his hand in his pocket. Oh. It's another one. It's another one. It's another one. It's another one. Every time he puts his hand in his pocket, there's another piece of candy. <laughs> He's got about 200 pieces of candy in his desk. (laughs) Just then, Mrs. Simmons says, class, class, eyes to the front, eyes on me. We're going to start with reading. Reading's so important. I hope I've told you that before. But before I do, um, I want to tell you, yesterday, after everybody left class, I I was walking around. I noticed some of you have messy desks. Honestly, I don't know how you get anything done. So before we do anything, we're going to take 15 minutes. We're going to clean out our desks. I want you to take everything out of those desks. I don't want anything in the desk that does not belong at school. Barney thinks, ah! He's got 200 pieces of candy in his desk. Mrs. Simmons is walking around the room. All the other kids are pulling stuff out of their desk. Barney's just sitting there with his hands on his desk. And finally, she reaches his desk and she says, Barney. Oh, yeah. Hi, Mrs. Simmons. How are you? I'm fine. Your desk? My desk. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my desk. This is my desk. That's why I sit here, because it's my desk. 
She said, we're cleaning them out now. Oh, yeah, I, I, I saw that. And that's a good thing. Some of these kids, Miss Simmons, their desks are disaster areas. She said, Barney, it was your desk. What? Your desk is the disaster. It is? I mean, it is. Yes, yes. I want you to clean it out. No, I mean, yes. I mean, it's so messy. I think I should stay in from recess while you're out there on the playground and I'll clean. I want you to do it now. No, I, I want you to, do you need some help? No, but before he could stop her, she looks in the desk. She says, what is this candy doing in your desk? He said, I don't know. Did you bring it in from home? No, I don't understand. Neither do I. <laughs> she said, Barney, he said, I'm sorry, Mrs. Simmons. I can't explain it to you. I, I had a piece of candy in my pocket and then there was another piece and then there's another piece and I just always have another piece of candy in my pocket. Do you have one now? Yeah, it's just like always one more. Well, can I have it? But then there's going to be one more. Just give it to me. He says, okay. So he reaches in, pulls out another piece of candy puts it in Mrs. Simmons' hand. She says, Barney, you know we do have some rules. I've never seen a piece of candy like this before. <laughs> she unwraps it. Never smelled a piece of candy like this before. Oh. 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 Oh, my God. Oh. Mm. This is the best candy in the whole world. Are you all right? I'm fine. Class, line up for candy from Barney. <laughs> Barney says, Miss Simmons, what, what, about, what about reading? Who cares about reading, Barney? We got candy. Line up. <laughs> Kids look at Miss Simmons like there was something wrong with her, but kind of in a good way. <laughs> they lined up. Give him the candy. Barney, one by one. He reaches in his pocket, gives him a piece of candy. Each kid says, never seen a piece of candy like this. Never smelled a piece of candy like this. Best candy in the whole world. Finally, every kid has a piece. He says, we're all done. She said, good. Time for seconds. <laughs> They're making so much noise. The teacher next door, the other fourth grade teacher, Mr. Dinkmeyer, sticks his head in the door, says, Miss Simmons, what's going on? Get over here, Dinkmeyer. What? Get over here. What? Dinkmeyer, get over here. He walks over and says, are you all right? Never been better. Barney, give him a piece of candy. Miss Simmons, give him a candy. Miss, I'm your teacher. Give him the candy. Reaches in his pocket, puts one in Mr. Dingmeyer's hand. Mr. Dingmeyer says, you know, Mrs. Simmons, I've never seen a piece of candy like this before. Barney says, I don't think you should touch it anymore, Mr. Dingmeyer. He opens it up, never smelled a piece of candy. I really don't think you should put it in your... Oh, my gosh. This is the best candy in the whole world. Let me get my class. Pretty soon, the entire fourth grade is lined up down the hallway getting a piece of candy. Each kid saying, I've never seen a piece of candy. I've never smelled a piece of candy. This is the best candy in the whole world. They're making so much noise, the word gets down to the office. This announcement comes over the PA system. Barney Huffnagel, please report to the office to see Mr. Dibble. Mr. Dibble! Mr. Dibble spent most of his time behind this huge desk. He's like Jabba the Hutt back there. Barney walks down to the secretary. He says, he's in his office. He's very upset. He walks in. Mr. Dibble says, Barney. Hello, Mr. Dibble. Have a seat. Barney sits down. <laughs> What's this I hear about you bringing in candy in from home for the whole fourth grade? No, I didn't bring it in. What? No, I didn't bring any candy in. But you gave them candy. Yeah, I, I did that. I don't understand. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> Barney. I know. But I did. But I didn't. It's not funny. I didn't say it was funny, Barney. He said, I'm sorry, Mr. Dibble. I don't know what to do. I got a piece of candy yesterday, and then there was another piece in my pocket. And I gave one to my friends. I gave one to Miss Simmons. She lost her mind. And Mr. Dingmeyer, I got this piece of candy. I can't get rid of it. You have candy now? It's just one piece in my pocket. Can I have it? <laughs> Give me the candy, Barney. No. What? No. I'm the principal. I know. That's why you can't have it. <laughs> Give me the candy, Barney. I'm not messing around. He said, okay, Mr. Dibble, but don't blame me for what is about to happen. He puts it in Mr. Dibble's hand. He said, I'm going to have to call. I've never seen a piece of candy like this. Step away from the candy, Mr. Dibble. I never smelled a piece of candy like this. Don't put it in your... Oh. <laughs> 
this is the best candy in the whole world. He runs the microphone. Attention all staff and students, please report to the office for candy from Barney Humpnagel. <laughs> Says, Mr. Dibble, what about the test? I hate the test. Here's this thunderous horde of footsteps. He says, give him the candy, Barney. One by one, the faculty, the teachers, all the staff, he's giving them pieces of candy. One by one, each one of them saying, I've never seen a piece of candy. I've never smelled a piece of candy. This is the best candy in the whole world all day long. There's no morning work. There's no math. There's no reading. There's no gym. There's no lunch. There's no, there's no g- recess. There's nothing but candy all day long. Barney looks up at the clock. It's time to go home, but nobody cares. He sees the buses pulling up in the circle. He sees the parents pulling up in the car, but still no one emerges from the school. They're busy standing in line, getting the candy. And then he sees the parents wondering where their children are, opening the doors of their cars. And Barney thinks, if the parents come in here, it's the end of the world. And he says, I gotta go. No, you don't. Yes, I do. And he leaves the office. He runs out the front door around the circle. He sees his mother getting out of the car. He says, mom, back in the car. She said, what? Back in the car. What's going on? You don't want to know. Get in. (laughs) His mother responds. Quite astounding. She gets in the car. Barney gets in the car. (sighs) Let's go home. What's going on? I'll tell you later. I just want to go home. They pull out of the circle and they're driving down. Barney says, What a day. I just want to go home. And his mother says, "Um, okay, but first. No, I just have to stop. (laughs) At the supermarket. (laughs) And get a few things. (laughs) It'll just take a minute. No! They pull into the parking lot. She says, do you want to go with me? He says, no, I'm staying here to make you nervous. (laughs) She says, I'll be right back. Barney says, okie doke. (laughs) He watches her walk across the parking lot. He sees those doors open, close behind her. And he looks at the doors thinking about everything that has happened. He's staring at those doors and they open. And there she is with another cart filled with groceries. That little lady. The same coat, the same hat, pushing, and she stops it, and Barney knows what to do. He gets out and runs across the parking lot very carefully because he has learned that grown-ups will gladly drive over children in parking lots to get parking spaces. (laughs) And this is a safe story. (laughs) And he gets up to her. He says, hi. She says, oh, you're here. He said, yeah, would you like some help? Are you sure you have time? He said, my mom lives here. She says, I have that. He said, I know where it is. And they push the cart all the way back to where that car is in the same place. She's dragging her pocketbook. She says, let me see if I can find my key. He says, I know you can. He, she finds the key. She fumbles with it, opens the door, puts all the groceries back. She says, there, thank you. He says, there, you're welcome. And she said, would you like another piece of candy? And Barney says, no, no, are you sure? No, I don't want any more candy. Do you know what I want? What? I want to give this one back. Would you just take it? You don't want it? No, I've had enough. And he puts it in her hand. And he puts his hand in his pocket. And it's empty. And he says, thank you. And she says, you're welcome. But since you didn't want the candy, maybe you'd like that nickel. Thank you all. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Bill Harley. The best candy in the whole world. A hilarious tale told by Bill Harley, recorded live in the Appleseed studio. Have you ever felt like Barney Humpnagel, like you're the only person who sees how wrong everything is going? Maybe you feel a little responsible even, and you don't quite know what to do. I've felt like that. And the thing I love about this story is that when Barney goes back to the old woman to give her back the magical piece of candy that started the madness, he does it with kindness and grace. 
I hope to be like that, I think. Sometimes when we solve big problems, we're tempted to let our triumph show in a little prideful vindictiveness. When I was a kid, my mom always thought that God was happiest when we were kind to one another. Me, I figure God loves us no matter how we are, but kindness can sure help us get right, can't it? I think about that in the last moments of this story as Barney kindly, softly gives back the candy. I love it. There's a lot more coming up on The Appleseed. In a moment, I'll chat a little more about this story around the desk with Brian and Heather. And in a bit, you'll hear a story about a community arts center at work to bring people together by letting them share stories with one another. I'm Sam Payne. A moment ago, it was a pleasure to be in the Appleseed Performance Studio and hear the great uh, storyteller and musician Bill Harley with a story called The Best Candy in the Whole World. And it'll be a pleasure to chat around the desk with the producers of the Appleseed. I've got them here, Dr. Brian Tanner, Dr. Heather Bigley. Guys, thanks for joining me. Hello. It was good to be here. You know, I'd never heard a story like that. I'd never smelled a story like that. (laughs) Uh, My my head is full of candy thoughts. Uh, Where did that story take you? I, uh, you know, I was just taken back. Taken? Is that the verb? Tooken? (laughs) Took. Um, I was transported to the grocery store and waiting for my mother in the grocery store. And, uh, you know, I used to go and sit and read books because there was the magazine center and they would have uh, books there for children. And I would just read and page through books. And my sister would actually be with my mother engaging in quality parent child time. (laughs) uh, I would hide. And I was usually – I have a distinct memory of being mistaken for a little boy often because I would have like – I always wore my brother's hand-me-downs and um, I had usually a ball cap on and someone would come along and go, well, young man, what are you reading? And like (laughs) – Hello. And, you know, at that time, that was always a compliment, right? Yeah. Uh, if you were mistaken for a little boy, that was a compliment. So I'd kind of be like, hee, 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 I got away with something here. Um, yeah. But in my own little world, it was it was actually fun, you know. Yeah. Oh, I get to go read books. I don't mind that. Bill Hartley does really kind of uh, uh, understand what it's like to be a kid have dragged along to the supermarket. Yeah. yeah. Right? You, yeah. you do get that in the story, don't you? Yeah. 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 One thing How about that, you, Brian? Well, one thing that I thought was fun about this is that um, Barney, what, <laughs> Barney <laughs> doesn't seem to think of the candy as a blessing like everyone else does. He seems to think of it as a curse. Like, yeah. uh, um, and and uh, he never has any. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if he ever has. He any. never has any, which is crazy to me. Maybe that's why he's um, safe from its. Powers right. yes. <laughs> over there people. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. But uh, I, I could kind of relate to that. I, I was thinking a lot about um, uh, a, a treat that I frequently had when I was living in Brazil. Um, you guys might know about it. It's called flan in sure. in the Spanish speaking yep. world, but they have it in Brazil too. Um, they call it pujing there, and um, it is kind of eggy and custardy and it's quite labor intensive to make and it's got a sweet syrup over it and a lot of people really like it but I do not <laughs> you know it is I, I just really over the course of years of living there I never developed a taste for it um, <laughs> but when we would go over to people's houses to visit um, I would we'd frequently be having a really good time and and visiting and then just like in the story how there are a couple phrases that the magical phrases that people keep saying they'd be like Hey, guys, you'll never guess what I made. (laughs) You're going to love it. It's a special occasion. And I just knew in my head when I heard those phrases, oh, no, it's Pooching. (laughs) And they'd bring it out and be like, ta-da! And everyone would be like, ooh, Pooching. And I'd have to, you know, put on a smile and and kind of choke it down because they worked so hard on making it and they I'm sure they they only made it because they thought they thought that I would love it but um that was uh, that was something where I was just like the, here's this thing that everybody else seems to derive pleasure from and think is delicious yeah. and I I just really would rather not have any part of it <laughs> there's something wonderful about your uh it, you know you you cite that there's a kind of refrain when yes. you hear that just like in the story yeah, right? uh-huh. in the, yeah. that's one of the reasons why it feels like an an old folk tale is yeah. this 
this sort of repeated refrain. I've, I've never, I've never tasted anything like this. I've never smelled. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and recognizing the, the refrain of the, uh, uh, of the dish that's coming that you, that you're not going to enjoy. Exactly. It reminds me of Turkish delight a little bit. Mm. Um, just that sort of mystery about it. Uh, and as you listen to the story, like, what is the candy? Is the candy something special for each person? Right. And it's the same idea with when you're introduced to Turkish delight in the Chronicles of Narnia. I'd never heard of that before as a sure. child and was like, what is this magical, you know, wonderful thing? And then you actually experience Turkish delight and you're like, well. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's also on my list of not, treats that, that other is. people seem to like and I do not care for at all. <laughs> there was a lot of buildup in my childhood over Turkish Delight. And then when I actually had it on a trip to Britain, I was like, I can't believe that this is the thing that enticed someone to sell their soul. like Betray their family. siblings and the world. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so, so I, I, but I, I do have to ask, right, as, 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 we, as you were listening to the story of the Best candy in the whole world. Was there a candy that came to mind? You know, the the thing that approximate that experience for me is not candy, but once again, it's something from Brazil yeah. that where I became acquainted with it there. But it, you can find it in other parts of the world. It, yeah. it comes from Italy, in fact. Is panettone, oh. which is like the Christmas bread. Yeah. Um, oh, good heavens! Yeah, and it has great bread pudding with that. Yes, it has um, like uh, candied. Uh, orange peels and raisins and things in it, but it has the most amazing smell. Like, <laughs> my favorite smell in the whole world is when you, and panettone always comes in in a, in a beautiful little box, yeah. and you open the box up, and it's inside of a plastic bag, and I put my face as close as I can to the bag, and I, I undo the twist tie, and I open it up, and I just get that. That is me with salt and vinegar <sighs> chips. Yeah, oh, that's really? A good one too. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Oh. That, that, uh, oh, I'm just salivating right now. Yeah. I just said salt and vinegar chips, <laughs> and I'm salivating. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Pardon me. So, panettone. Panettone. Uh-huh. Salt and vinegar chips, is that what you're going to go with? <laughs> well, no, I recently discovered these sour cherry candies that are imported from Britain uh, at the world market, right, just right. a plug in case they want to sponsor us or send us some. And <laughs> I now just buy them myself and have them imported for me directly because they're so great. And if I'm at church, I like hand one to the person next to me, like, here, we just made it. We made it through, like, have a sour cherry candy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> what do they What do they look like? They're, are they just little, little... They look like lifesavers, uh, except they're individually wrapped, which makes oh, them much it. better to share in this COVID mm-hmm. era. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There is a memory that the story brought up for me, and I'll share it with you now. It's today's entry in the Radio Family Journal. The Radio Family Journal with Sam Payne. A tiny little story for you and your family. Right when you need it. On the Appleseed. I got an allowance of 50 cents a week when I was a kid. The announcement of the allowance came in a family meeting. Those present, my mom, my dad, me, I was, I think, seven years old, my brother Joe, who was five, and our tiny brother, Dave. We got the allowance in nickels, 10 nickels each, and out of fabric on her old Singer sewing machine, Mom had made these individual wall hangings for each kid, and the wall hangings had little fabric pockets in them, three pockets in each wall hanging. And at this family meeting, we learned that of the 10 nickels we got each week, we were to put one nickel into the top pocket. That pocket was our savings. And then we were to put one nickel in the middle pocket. That nickel was to be a donation to charity. We were a family that tithed to our church, a nickel a week for us kids. And the remaining eight nickels would go into the bottom pocket. That was our spending loot. 10% in savings, 10% to charity, 80% in that bottom pocket. It was a fortune. Imagine me, old money bags with a nickel in my pocket pretty much any time you might ask me. And pretty much every day, I knew exactly where I was going to spend my nickel. The walk to my elementary school by way of the roads was about a mile. I could cut that into a walk of just a couple hundred yards if I forsook the road and cut across the horse pasture and walked the log across the creek and skirted Mr. Brown's apple orchard. But I usually didn't take the shortcut, not when I had a nickel in my pocket. 
I didn't even take the long route by the regular roads. I took the extra long route, maybe a quarter mile out of my way, because that way lay the magic of the Alpenhaus, our tiny town's real, honest-to-goodness candy store. My town hardly had a business district at all. There was a tiny general store, a gas station, and a realtor. That was pretty much it, except for the Alpenhaus, the candy store. It was a wonderland. Big glass jars filled with brightly colored candies, shelf after shelf of them. And my poison was their little fruit sours, each about the size of a gumball and exploding with fruit-flavored sugary sugar sugar and citric acid. A nickel would buy a pocketful, enough to last the mile-and-a-quarter walk back to my house. And I'd walk through the door, well-nourished for a gaze at my little fabric wall hanging, its bottom pocket heavy with more nickels, fuel for dreams of tomorrow's Alpenhaus visit. And if you're counting, you'll know that eight nickels is even more than enough to spend a nickel a day on fruit sours. And if you were ever a kid, you'll rightly guess that we tanked up double or triple on Saturdays, partly because there would be no fruit sours on Sundays. People complain about the coming of Monday, right, the beginning of the work week. Somehow, though, I don't complain. And I think it's a holdover from my elementary school days when Monday meant a return to the candy store after a Sabbath dry spell. Well, those are great memories. In those days, I didn't want anything else. It really was that simple. In my mind, staying happy was a matter of just keeping me in enough nickels. And of course, it's been a few years, and it's different now. My grown-up mind is turned to the care of the people I love, the insight and wisdom to be a good husband, a good father. If it were as simple as keeping me in enough nickels, now life might be a breeze. Enough nickels, dimes, and dollars, as it turns out, are easier to come by now than they were when I was seven. But coming by the wisdom, the insight to nourish me like not even fruit sours ever could, that takes some special care. And there aren't any shortcuts, no cutting across the horse pasture and over the log and up the side of Mr. Brown's apple orchard. It's all long route stuff, the full mile and a quarter, making time for thoughtful conversation with the people I love, making time to learn things about the world. For me, making time to pray and to take walks and to write and to talk thoughtfully with you. Making time to communicate to my kids the things that are important to me, just like my parents made time to communicate to me the things that were important to them when I was a kid. Those things nourish less like a trip to the candy store and more like a season working in the garden. My hometown has changed a lot. There's a business district now, and there's no candy store. Alpenhaus closed up its doors years ago when I was still a kid. At least that's what I thought. The truth is, I was driving through that area not too long ago, and I discovered a candy store in the town next to the town in which I grew up. And nostalgic for those good old times, I parked and went in. And wouldn't you know it, it's the same folks. My childhood neighbors work there. And after a glad greeting, I looked assiduously around the place, and what do you know it? They were there, the same gumball-sized fruit sours I have loved since I was seven years old. And don't think for a moment that I didn't buy a bag of them to take home. After all, all the long-form stuff, the garden stuff, the soul nourishment that comes from prayer and walks and learning things about the world and thoughtful conversation with people I love, that stuff is all delicious by itself, for sure. But there's just no reason it can't go down a little sweeter with a pocket full of fruit sours. That's how I've felt about it for a lot of years, I guess, since the long-ago family meeting in which I first started getting an allowance. The Radio Family Journal of Sam Payne. A tiny little story for you and your family. Right when you need it. On the Appleseed. 
Thanks for joining us for that entry in the Radio Family Journal. We always hope that the stories that we bring you here on the show spark memories and thoughts for you that you can share with the people that you love. That kind of storytelling can make for memories that last a lifetime, especially if the story is a delicious one. <laughs> it's been a pleasure to be around the desk uh, talking to Heather Bigley and Brian Tanner, our producers, about that story from Bill Harley, the best candy in the whole world. Guys, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. There's Let's go eat lunch. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot coming up on the Apple Seed. I'm Sam Bain. It's great to be with you on today's episode of The Appleseed. We've already heard stories filled with magic and humor, stories about what it's like to be a kid, stories about what it's like to be a parent, and up next, a story about how storytelling is helping a community on the way out of a difficult and isolating time, the time we've all experienced in the last few years. Here's the story. I'd like to introduce you to someone. My name is Amy Tingle. I'm the program director at Waterfall Arts in Belfast, Maine. Waterfall Arts in Belfast, Maine is a community arts center. It's housed now in a beautiful old building, but it didn't always have a brick and mortar home. Before Amy's time, the art created by the Waterfall Arts community demonstrated that making art didn't have to depend on having a building to put it in. It's a really interesting space that started out in the woods on a piece of land that was called the kingdom. And as far as I understand, it's sort of this communal space where artists came and made art and installed art in the woods and put on performances and all kinds of wild things used to happen out there. Um, and then they bought this building in. It's close to the downtown area of Belfast, so that shaped things a little bit differently. The artists in the Waterfall Arts community liked sharing and creating art so much that they shared and created it even out in the woods before they had a building in which to gather. And that part of the story is really about how dedicated that community is to the kind of things that art can do for people. Exactly. It's still really about curiosity and discovery. It's about process more than product. So, you know, what can you what can you learn about yourself, about the people that you're working with, about the art that you're making, about the world through the art that you're making? The things art can do in a community are best done when the community can interact face-to-face -face around the art. And Waterfall Arts has developed all kinds of programs for people who want to benefit from making art themselves and seeing the art of others. But those programs all depend on being able to get together. And under normal circumstances, that's no problem at all. But everything changed in 2020 when the world fell under the isolating shadow of COVID-19. You know, it's interesting because we're really just sort of coming out of the haze of COVID and, and Waterfall pretty much shut down. We did a little bit of online programming, but the kind of art that we do and the kind of workshops that we put on, they weren't going to do well online. The COVID era was tough on Waterfall Arts, like it was on a lot of organizations, on a lot of people, but they limped through. And as 2021 came on and vaccines became widely available and infection rates dropped and the world started to get back to some kind of normal, it seemed to Amy that Waterfall Arts needed some kind of event to bring people back together. And as Amy thought about that, a memory came to her. It was kind of a tough memory. In the family of a close friend in 2020, a son had died taken his own life, in fact. It was one of the many, many tragedies of the pandemic. And prior to his death, this young man had talked with his mom in the throes of feeling isolated, cut off from his fellow humans. And he told her about how he wished things were different, about how he wished there was some way he could connect in meaningful ways with the people he loved. And he had said to his mom at one point, I just wish... Everybody could sit around a fire and tell stories. And it, it's just stayed in my mind. It's just been in my mind. And I thought, you know, is there a way? Like, I would love to be a part of that kind of a conversation and not a conversation where we're saying, like, let's sit down and talk about the hard things. But one where, where we're saying to each other, this is who I am. I just wish everybody could sit around a fire and tell stories. 
That simple wish, the sincere words of a family friend, gave Amy the idea she was looking for. With the help of other Waterfall Arts community members, Amy instituted a program that would allow people to do just that, come and sit around a fire and tell stories. It seemed like a way to get people together, old friends and new friends, to provide support and camaraderie and communion between folks who had felt isolated for so long. Well, they called the idea Fireside Chats, an event title that has some history. In the dark days of the Depression, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, President of the United States, had engaged in a weekly radio chat with anyone in America who wanted to listen, which was pretty much everybody. Those radio broadcasts, full of straight talk and also full of courage and comfort for an America in an extended crisis, were famously called Fireside Chats. And on a cold Maine night in December, Waterfall Arts had its first fireside chats gathering. There was a fire pit and hot cocoa, and in a small community like Amy's, it was easy to spot. And then there were just random people who showed up because, oh, this is cool. What, what, let me check this out. Like, what? why is there a fire on the lawn of Waterfall Arts? You know, I met people that I haven't ever met before or seen before. So People who didn't even know what the event was were drawn to the atmosphere that Waterfall Arts had created. I think everybody was so relieved that there was an event that they could get together and they felt like it was safe enough. Once the people were gathered, it was time for the real magic to happen. The magic of storytelling. One person shared a story and then another and then another. I think when you hear something that reminds you of something inside yourself, like maybe a memory that you hadn't even thought of in years. And by hearing somebody else's story, it, it kind of poked, poked the bear or made you remember. There's something special that happens when we hear stories from people around us that brings our own stories to light. Stories and memories that we perhaps hadn't thought of in months or even years. And there were a few people, I think, who told stories they hadn't told before or didn't think they were going to tell. The Fireside Chats event worked a lot of magic in that first December night. And Amy and her colleagues learned some things, too. They learned, for example, that the impulse to stand up and share a story with friends or strangers is kind of a still, small voice. You know how people say that public speaking is one of the primary fears that a lot of people have? Well, it's true. And the voice inside you telling you to be afraid can sometimes be a lot louder than the still small voice that reassures you that it's okay to share your story. And if there are any obstacles at all, you might just never share. Have you ever felt that way? Like you want to share something, but then you wind up not sharing because of some tiny thing. Someone else in the group says something or the timer on the microwave goes off or somebody sneezes and amid the sneeze and the bless you, the moment passes and you don't share after all. It's happened to me for sure. And at this Fireside Chats event, all people had to do to share a story was stand up at the microphone that Waterfall Arts had placed on a stand near the fire. That was it. But when it comes to sharing stories from your heart, that little obstacle, the obstacle of standing up and stepping up to a microphone, well, it's a little thing, but it was too much. And some people who might have shared didn't. So Amy made a tiny little adjustment to the second Fireside Chats event, the one in January. And then the second month, I said, I think it would be better if we just stayed sitting. We can pass it around the circle and stay in a circle instead of asking somebody to sort of get up. Because I think that led to a little bit of stage fright. And we kept the mic in the circle and more stories were told. And people felt a lot less intimidated to tell their story. Well, that small act made all the difference. And I like that part of the story because it says two things. First, while sharing from your heart is important and useful and healing and unifying, it's also hard. And a tiny thing can kind of scare it off. That's important to remember. And second, Amy was sensitive to that. And in her mind was the idea, how can we make sharing even easier here? How can we make this an even safer place? And in answering that question, no idea was too small 
And what do you know? It worked. At the second event, the one in January, everybody shared. And even though some people in the circle didn't even know each other very well, it got pretty close, pretty vulnerable. We've seen the range of emotions, right? I mean, I think that's the humanity of it, right? Where somebody is telling a story and sort of well, welled up with tears. And then I felt the rest of us, you know, kind of get teary with them. So there, there, there's that range of emotion that you're seeing. And that's what makes us so human and what connects us to each other. Experiencing that range of emotions with one another, hearing and accepting each story as it's told, laughing and weeping together as part of the healing balm that brings a community out of a difficult era. That's the gift that Fireside Chats has given to the community surrounding waterfall arts. And it's changed everybody. It's changed Amy, too. And she reflects on the experience and what it has helped her to feel and to become. But what I will say is there's a way that maybe there's been a shift in how often I am vulnerable, maybe. And I think that is an important piece that's happened maybe because of fireside chats. Like the impulse to be vulnerable more often because I've seen how it can work in one arena and to be tender with another person. You know, I think that's the way that we can connect with somebody else. And if we can make our feelings known, then we can express our ideas more clearly. And um, it's not even so much about getting along. It's just about like being known to someone else. Storytelling can shape us when we tell stories and when we hear them too. And the things we can learn from other people when we share stories with them are things that can bring lasting change. So build a fire of your own. Make a welcome space for people who are like you and for people who are unlike you too. Keep the mic where folks can reach it and with a tip of the hat to folks like Amy Tingle, people who have road tested the notion that storytelling can do some of the heavy lifting in a community that needs to find a way to understand and connect with each other. Go ahead and let the stories flow. It's been such a pleasure for me to share this hour with you. We've enjoyed stories about magic candy and the weight of responsibility in the face of problems that candy brings about in Bill Harley's The Best Candy in the Whole World. We heard Bill's tiny little story about being a parent and a story about the way one community is using storytelling as a way to unify and connect people in the wake of the difficulties of the pandemic. And we hope these stories give you something to talk about around the kitchen table or the living room. That kind of talk can make for memories that last a life. Download the BYU Radio app for ways to listen to all the shows produced by BYU Broadcasting. The Appleseed is pleased and proud to be part of that family of programs. There are podcast-only extras you can hear if you subscribe to the podcast. And if you found us on the podcast today, rate us and leave us a review. It helps people find the show. I'm Sam Payne, and I can't wait to be with you again on The Appleseed. Appleseed.